The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Too often we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease. But these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Melhothra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Melhothra. I'm Sandra Malhotra, your host for Generation Regeneration. Thank you for joining me. Today, we will focus on the topic of nutrition hypothemyths, and we have a surprise guest. Certified nutritionist Ann Baker will join us again. Hello, Ann, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you here this week as well. Thanks, Sandra. Great to be here. All right. I'd also like to welcome our listeners to Generation Regeneration. Our goal with the show is to provide information and support for those who want to regenerate their bodies, minds, spirits, and relationships to others and to the planet. Last week, we focused on how to regenerate the body through nutrition, and Anne shed light on why counseling from a credentialed nutritionist is so helpful. One big reason is that a diet and supplement plan, which is tailored to the individual, can manage and may even prevent many health issues. Another reason is that conventional medical doctors are not trained very well in this field and therefore cannot provide very much guidance, even if you ask for it. So if you want help with a variety of health issues, working with a credentialed nutritionist is a great place to start. And then describe the condition that she helps many conditions manage, which she referred to as the trifecta of modern living, which is chronic pain, low energy, and poor sleep. She then made the point that patients that have these ailments may have an underlying issue with chronic inflammation, which is insidious and can lead to more serious conditions. She provided great info about how to manage inflammation, so if you missed that show, you can check it out on demand. And today, we're going to forge ahead and discuss what I call nutrition hypothemyths. What is a hypothemyth, you might ask? Good question, because I made up the word. A hypothesis is a scientific term and is a theory that is not yet proven but leads to further investigation, typically using the scientific method to prove or disprove it. A myth is a story or idea that is believed by many but is actually not true. A hypothemyth is a combination of the two, starts out as a hypothesis, gets tested by the scientific community, possibly using dubious methods, gains support amongst the establishment, impacts government policy, but lo and behold, turns out to be a myth. And unfortunately, there are several nutrition hypothemyths that we need to banish from our psyches forever. The first one we'll discuss today is what the medical community calls the diet-heart hypothesis, and what I call the diet-heart hypothemyth. It supposes a direct correlation between dietary fat, particularly saturated fat, and heart disease which has no doubt been drummed into your psyche over the past number of decades. For example, what do you think of as a heart-healthy food? 
probably not olive oil, coconut oil, and avocados, right? It's probably low-fat or no-fat carbs like oatmeal and cereal, correct? The problem is that this is just not the case, and this hypothesis has been debunked by recent studies, so it's time to change our way of thinking. For example, one notable recent study was published in the March 2014 journal Annals of Internal Medicine, a respected journal, and stated that saturated fat does not cause heart disease. Let me let that sink in for a moment. (laughs) Saturated fat does not cause heart disease. So why do we believe this? It all started in the 1950s with a scientist at the University of Minnesota named Ansel Benjamin Keyes. He relentlessly championed the idea that saturated fats raise cholesterol and as a result cause heart attacks based on his seven-country study that he conducted on nearly 13,000 men in the U.S., Japan, and Europe. Sounds good, right? However, critics have pointed out that Dr. Keyes violated several protocols in this study. For example, he didn't choose countries randomly, but instead selected only those likely to prove his hypothesis, which is called cherry-picking the data, and is a huge no-no as far as scientific approach is concerned. He included Yugoslavia, Finland, Greece, and Italy, but excluded countries where the people tend to eat a lot of fat but are very healthy, like France, Switzerland, Sweden, and West Germany. In fact, if you look at all of the data, it would appear that more saturated fat leads to less heart disease. Hmm. Well, in 1961, Dr. Keyes wanted to continue pushing this point and sealed saturated fat's fate by taking a position on the Nutrition Committee on the American Heart Association, which you've no doubt heard of. And you've probably heard of their dietary guidelines because they're considered sacrosanct. And despite controversy, the American Heart Association issued later that year, in 1961, the country's first ever guidelines regarding saturated fats. Then, in 1977, the Senate's Select Committee on Nutrition and Human Needs, led by George McGovern, who you may have heard of, published the first Dietary Goals for the United States in order to reverse the epidemic of heart disease in the country. These guidelines received massive criticism at the time from many respected scientists who insisted that sugar was to blame, which actually is the case. Also, powerful food and agriculture lobbies applied tremendous pressure on the committee to make recommendations that would not negatively impact their corporate profits and interests. So the dietary goals that resulted from all this shoddy science and horse trading became eat less fat and cholesterol, eat less refined and processed sugars. That one's not so bad. Eat more complex carbohydrates from vegetables, fruits, and grains. So basically, around 40 years ago, the U.S. government decided that we should all be on a low-fat, high-carb diet despite humanity's dependence on fats and proteins for millennia. That thinking still permeates American grocery store shelves and official dietary advice today, even as our health declines as a result. It's therefore time for us to realize where this policy came from and start asking some hard questions because it's not working too well for us. So here are the problems. Fat has been a healthy human staple for thousands of years comprising, at times, a large part of our diet, upwards of 30% or more. Saturated fats, in particular, are critical for good health and serve important functions, such as being a source of energy, building cell walls, hormones, mineral absorption, 
converting beta-carotene into vitamin A, brain health, just to name a few. The low-fat craze has resulted in excessive consumption of refined carbohydrates and sugar, which has resulted in increased obesity, diabetes, inflammation, and chronic disease. Also, very importantly, modern dwarf wheat, which was highly recommended as a grain, bears no resemblance to the heritage wheat our grandparents ate because it's been scientifically engineered for maximum production, not for nutrition or health. It now, after all of this engineering, contains a super starch called amylopectin A, a super gluten, which you've probably heard quite a bit about, and a super drug that is addictive and makes you crave and want to eat more of it. So now, let's invite Anne to the conversation. Let's address each of these in turn with someone who's a certified nutritionist. So Anne, let's address each of these, and if you could start, please, Talk about the benefits of fats and especially saturated fat in the diet and why they shouldn't be decreased so much. Okay. Well, you've certainly laid everything out very well there, I must say, Sandra. As you mentioned, we do need saturated fat. In the relationship to cholesterol is very confused and misunderstood because, in fact, we actually have a a feedback mechanism in our body so that if we're intaking a lot of cholesterol from foods, the body compensates for this by actually reducing the amount that's synthesized by the liver. So that's something I don't think a lot of people understand. Um, we need cholesterol uh, and we, we need uh, the saturated fats because they help for communications in between and uh, together with the cells from cell to cell, they act protective in a way that many people might not understand. For example, the myelin sheath, which is something that people that have um, multiple sclerosis have a de- degradation of. The cholesterol is very much needed as a protective coating on that. Um, it actually conducts nerve impulses. So when people have issues with myelin sheath, um, that can, you know, go back directly to the fact that they probably have not had the correct uh, healthy saturated fats. Now, the healthy saturated fats are not going to come from commercially uh, raised animal products. They're going to come from the animal products the way they were intended to graze, which is naturally on grasses and seeds, which are high in omega-3 healthy fats, as opposed to what's happened in the commercial food industry, where these animals now are being fed and have been being fed since the 50s, products like corn, wheat, and soy, which are all more inflammatory, and they're higher in, you know, the omega-6 ratios, which we need those too. But uh, what, what happened was up to about 1950, really all the beef and the lamb and the pork was all pasture-raised. And then the commercial food industry, you know, worked with the farmers and the livestock producers saying, hey, you can uh, bring these cattle from, you know, uh, birth weight to, you know, 1,500 pounds in 14 months, 
if you, you know, give them a bunch of steroids, give them a bunch of hormones and give them antibiotics. <laughs> right. And we feed them, you know, we feed them this, uh, this wheat and this corn and this soy diet. We can get them to market faster and you can make a lot more money. So that's how the whole thing kind of got started. Um, and that also happened back in the, in the war. There's a very interesting chart that you can actually find online that shows the correlation between when people stopped having butter available and then ended up um, having to use margarine, that this is when we got a ton of increases in um, cardiovascular disease. That's when it all started to happen. Prior to that, we didn't have such an issue in this country. Yes. Yes. So fats are actually a very important part of our diet. And what we'll get into after the break is what people have substituted for fats, which is typically refined carbohydrates and sugar. So fats are a necessary part of the diet. And what's even worse is taking them out and replacing them with something which is actually harmful. So on that note, we are talking about food and nutrition with certified nutritionist Ann Baker today. This is Sandra Malhotra with Generation Regeneration. And we'll be back after this short break. Thanks for joining us and stay tuned in to learn more. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. A new health and wellness community is coming in January 2015 called HoldTreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced. And together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Melhothra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Melhothra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Melhothra, hashtag WeAreGenR. 
She looks forward to your comments. Now, back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Malhotra. I'm your host. And today, Ann Baker, certified nutritionist, is educating us about food and nutrition because there is a lot of confusion out there about what we should be eating for optimum health. And today, we're talking about some shoddy guidelines regarding fats and cholesterol in particular. As it turns out, fats are a very important part of the diet, especially healthy fats. And what has happened in the past number of years with the low-fat craze is that a lot of us have been encouraged to replace healthy and necessary fats with carbohydrates and sugar. And this has led to a lot of problems with our health. So I will turn it over to Ann now to elaborate on the issues with a high-carb, high-sugar diet, and in particular, some of the pitfalls with modern wheat. So Ann, take it away. Okay. So the uh, problem with the high-carbohydrate diet uh, is that carbohydrates are used very quickly and break down into sugar. And sugar is actually, and you know, going into our bloodstream and creating this surge of insulin release that's then taken up by our cells, and then the process starts again. Well, over time, if we are pumping in too many carbohydrates, too many processed sugars, uh, from, you know, packaged foods and junk foods and fast foods. What happens is the cells then become desensitized. They're not able to take up, uh, you know, that, that insulin and they become insulin resistant. So we have a lot of that, that that's going on. And really, in reality, the whole issue with uh, elevated cholesterol really is one of sugar dysregulation. That's really what it's all about. It's not about the amount of saturated fat that you're eating if you're eating healthy saturated fat from those pasture-raised animals that we talked about that, you know, are given good organic, um, you know, free-range capabilities there. Can you take one second and also elaborate on different sources of healthy fats? Okay, so some of the healthy fats, um, aside from the pasture-raised animals and wild-caught fish, the wild-caught fish uh, and sea vegetables, you're going to get the DHA form of essential fatty acids. For the omega-3 that are plant-based, um, some of those that are good are, you know, flaxseed oils, very good in flax seeds. You also have um, medium-chain triglycerides from coconut oil that's very healthy. Ghee can be uh, healthy. That's a clarified butter. Um that's, you know, made in the traditional way. Those are healthy. Olive oil is still a very good uh, oil. Macadamia nut oil is healthy. Avocados and avocado oils are healthy. Um, organically grown uh, uh, nuts and seeds, walnuts, uh, almonds, uh, again, macadamia nuts, uh, pumpkin seeds. Those are all healthy sources of omega-3s from plants uh, are the plant-based ones. And then the animal-based ones are either the DHA form or then we have the saturated fats from the pasture-raised animals. Mm -hmm. So you made the point about factory-farmed animals being fed a diet which is not traditional for them, not really what they eat naturally, which is soy and corn and so forth. And that leads to inflammation for them is it then that inflammation which leads to the unhealthiness in their meat and fat 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, think about how stressed out the animals are, too. Not, you know, think about the conditions in which they're they're raised and then slaughtered. Um, They're very stressed out when you take a, a, a calf that's, you know, maybe 60 or 70 pounds and you pump it full of food and antibiotics and all the other chemicals that they're giving them, uh, and basically force feed them and don't let them have any exercise and take, four, you know, 14, 15 months to get them to 1,500 pounds. What on earth is that doing to the stress of the animal? And then yeah. there's also the factor of then we're eating that animal product. What is it doing to us? I think that's a, a, a huge factor that people should really think about carefully. And when you go out to eat, unless you're getting, you know, pasture-raised, grass-fed uh, animal product, you're, unless it says that, you are getting a commercially raised animal product, and it's, it's not in the best of, you know, circumstances that it's being fed or raised. That's right. Yeah, so that's a good point. So paying attention to the food that your food consumed and the conditions in which they were raised is very important because it will affect how nutritious it is, how nutritious it is for your body. Right. And I want to just say one interesting thing, uh, too, back in the, if anybody's listening that's old enough, uh, <laughs> back in the mid-80s to mid-90s, it was a big craze. Everybody was doing low-fat, high-carb. And uh, as a result, we saw a lot of people that had you know, heart attacks and strokes that were coming out of that. And doctors were saying, all right, you need to be on a very restricted fat, low-fat, no-fat, high-carb diet. What happened was we had this giant surge yeah. in diabetes type 2. And it's because of the overconsumption of grains predominantly and snack foods or fat-free foods where when they repl- take the fat out, they replaced it with sugars. And you yes. can do that to this day. Just pick up a container of anything that says fat-free and pick up a full-fat version and look at the nutritional information and look at the carbohydrate and the sugar content, and you will see that you have far more carbohydrates and sugars in the fat-free, low-fat version than you do in the full-fat version. That's right. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. it's almost like um, a solution to a problem that doesn't exist (laughs) because the, the saturated fats that are that they're being replaced are not that bad but then they replace them with all these sugars which is really bad so um, not heart healthy by any means these low fat and no fat foods and you even see commercials on the television today you know for you know oatmeal for example oh yeah or various breakfast cereals have the health heart heart, heart healthy breakfast you know it's and it just makes me roll my eyes because the situation is, well, no, that, that's not particularly heart healthy. That's just not true. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So do you have any more comments that you'd like to make with regards to the perils of a high-carb diet? Well, the, the gluten factor and, and yeah. the changes in grains um, and the way that you know, grains have been hybridized and uh, modified, you know, most uh, wheat is modified now, it's genetically modified, uh, as is corn, uh, almost 100%, as is soy, almost 100%, canola oil, those are almost 100% genetically modified organisms. So our bodies have never been subjected to those things. Um, We know that, that genetically modified foods are actually changing the etiology of our gut. 
Uh, because the proteins are different. It's, it's actually a different protein exactly. that our gut is being ex expected to digest that it's never seen before, correct? Exactly. And, yeah. you know, we're also, you know, using these types of foods, these grain-based gmo products, but particularly gluten, is a filler in many, many products. So people are consuming vast quantities of gluten that they never used to consume before. Think back to, you know, the way farming used to be and the way grains used to be raised or, or, or grown, excuse me. It took a long time for the farmer to, you know, dig up that field and hand plant and then even with animals, plant the seed then wait for it to grow. Then they cut it down and they let it sit and rest in the field and it actually developed uh, enzymes that helped to make it more digestible. Then mm -hmm. they took it to the mill and they had to make it into flour. Well, all of this before anybody even got the flour to do anything with it. So yeah, it was the staff of life, but we weren't consuming it breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. We weren't just eating, you know, mountains of it like we are now. So that has a lot to do with, uh, I think, too, why we're seeing so many problems with gluten. I see. Yes. Yeah, it, and it's interesting that you mentioned breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, because it seems like the norm for breakfast is like a cereal, oatmeal. Yep. Uh, the norm for lunch may be a sandwich. Oh, yeah. Uh, norms for dinner, pasta, pizza, that type of thing. So it's just carb and sugar after carb after sugar for each meal, uh, as opposed to, say, something like pasture-raised eggs for breakfast, uh, which that's a whole other subject, talking about eggs. Right, <laughs> But uh, but having you know better protein sources like that, uh, even veg, you know, not necessarily animal protein, but other types of protein sources for your meals instead of all of these carbs for every meal. Right. People became so afraid of the fat that they were afraid to eat nuts, which there's yeah. a lot of healthful properties in nuts. Great, uh, you know, vegetarian protein source. Yes. Uh, you know, people became uh, you know became so enamored with. Um, again, something put between, between two pieces of bread in some fashion yep. or having some form of pasta that yep. they forgot about, you know, making vegetables the main attraction. Yes. And again, you know, I think there's a confusion on a lot of people's part with, um, with the, with people that are doing more of a, of a paleolithic or primal diet. Misunderstanding is that these people are eating mass quantities of meats. And animal products, when in effect, if it's done right, we really should be eating the vast majority from vegetables and plant yes. sources and, and, you know, good nuts and seeds, a little bit of fruit here and there, sparingly dried fruits, um, some natural sweeteners like honey, sparingly again, and then smaller portions of real high quality meat. And interestingly enough, when people switch from you know, commercially raised animal products, like whether it's fish, chicken, beef, it doesn't matter, to the, to the wild caught or pasture raised, you actually consume less because it's more nutrient dense. Mm. It's much more filling. So while there may be a, you know, a price difference there, um, you're really getting a much more nutrient dense product and you're eating less of it. So we're really eating the way that, you know, we're supposed to be eating as opposed to giant plates full of you know, pasta with a little right. bit of uh, few, few uh, and far between any vegetables and lots right. of, you know, um, cheesy sauce and things like that. That's right. That's right. 
Okay. All right. So let's summarize this section. And I think, you know, what I learned from this is that a healthy diet consists of good unsaturated fats, saturated fats in moderation, primarily from pasture raised animals that aren't highly stressed and inflamed, and very low refined processed carbs and sugar, lots of vegetables. The precise diet that works for each of us may be different, but this seems to be a generally good guideline to follow. So on that note, let's go ahead and get ready for the next break. We're talking about food nutrition today with certified nutritionist Ann Baker. This is Sandra Malhotra with Generation Regeneration, and we'll be back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. A new health and wellness community is coming in January 2015 called wholetreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Melhothra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Melhothra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Melhothra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now, back to Generation Regeneration. And welcome back to Generation Regeneration. This is your host, Sandra Malhotra. And today we have Ann Baker, a certified nutritionist who's discussing food and nutrition topics with us today. And we just spent the beginning part of the program talking about fats and saturated fat and how important they are for the diet. And now we're going to move on to the next topic, which is the lipid hypothesis, or what I call the lipid 
hypothy myth, which supposes a correlation between blood serum cholesterol and heart disease. You no doubt have heard of this, and Anne alluded to it already. So what is cholesterol? It actually is a waxy, fat-like substance that's found in all cells of our body. It's mostly manufactured by the liver, but some foods contain cholesterol, like egg yolks. And what cholesterol does is it travels through our bloodstream in small packages called lipoproteins. And these packages are made of fat on the inside and proteins on the outside. And you may be familiar with two kinds of lipoproteins that are currently tested. And these carry cholesterol throughout the body. One of them is called low-density lipoprotein, or LDL, and the other one is called high-density lipoprotein, or HDL. The difference being that LDL carries cholesterol to the cells of your body, and HDL carries cholesterol back to the liver. So LDL carries it in one direction, and HDL carries cholesterol in the other direction, which neither of these directions are necessarily good or bad, though you may have heard LDL referred to as bad cholesterol. But in fact, LDL fulfills very important functions for all cells of your body and is quite necessary. For the brain, LDL captures cholesterol and transports it to brain neurons, which need it to function. When cholesterol levels are too low, the brain simply does not work well, and individuals are at a significantly increased risk for neurological problems like dementia. And Dr. David Perlmutter goes into great detail into this in his book, Grain Brain. And one key point that he makes is that when free radicals damage or oxidize the LDL molecule, it's rendered much less capable of delivering cholesterol to the brain. So that's bad. And what oxidizes LDL? Well, sugar and refined carbohydrates. So again, we're back to more perils of a high sugar, high carb diet. And another key point to keep in mind is that the number of LDL particles in the bloodstream is an important factor. And this is measured as LDL-P. And a concerning situation is blood comprised of many small, dense LDL particles as opposed to fewer whole, large, fluffy ones. As it's theorized that the small, dense ones can lead to black plaque buildup in arteries, which is the mechanism of plaque hardening and heart disease. The mechanism for this is still being understood but many factors can lead to these small, dense LDL particles, such as metabolic syndrome, poor thyroid function, and leaky gut. And these things, in turn, can be related to your diet and lifestyle choices. One resource that I'd like to point out is a blog written by Chris Kresser, that's K-R-E-S-S-E-R, called What Causes Elevated LDL Particle Number. It's very informative, and it goes into a lot of detail here. The point is that a high LDL-P number should trigger further investigation as to what the root cause for it may be, and not simply a prescription for a medication to lower the number. So, where did this hypothesis myth come from regarding cholesterol? Decades ago, the relationship between dietary cholesterol and heart disease was studied using chickens and rabbits as proxies for humans. They were force-fed high levels of cholesterol and developed plaque hardening, and the finding was generalized to be relevant for humans. However, our physiologies are very different from that of chickens and rabbits, and the situation is much more nuanced. Therefore, the desirable situation that we want is a high LDL number and whole, fluffy, unoxidized LDL. 
And these numbers that you get from just a very quick standard cholesterol test may not give you all the information that you need to decide if you have an underlying factor and whether you need to be on a prescription medication or not. So what we're encouraging you to do is to educate yourself a little bit more about what these cholesterol numbers mean. So now let's turn to Anne, our nutritionist. So you, uh, in the beginning segment of the show, started talking about how important cholesterol is in the diet and for cellular function. Would you mind continuing to elaborate on that point? Right. Um, so cholesterol is something that we need to help us um, not only protect the myelin sheath, which I was talking about as one example, but we also need cholesterol to make hormones and to make neurotransmitters in the body. And neurotransmitters are, you know, what our brain uses to regulate uh, mood and emotional status um, and help us, you know, with cognition and, and help us with memory and focus, uh, concentration, all of those things. So when you go on a too uh, low of a saturated fat or, and also correct good healthy essential fatty acids type diet, you're going to risk having hormone issues. You're going to risk also having um, neurotransmitter issues. And actually the new, um, the new thinking on this in the functional medicine world um, from people like Stephen Sinatra and also um, James Roberts, two doctors that wrote a book called Reverse Heart Disease Now, really still a great book, is that uh, there's a lot of other underlying reasons why people have cardiovascular issues. And of course, high cholesterol is one of those topics, one of those diseases. And it stems from inflammation somewhere in the body. Mm -hmm. And this can be from um, some sort of uh, immune problem with the thyroid, that can often be an issue. People can actually have, um, you know, too much iron in their body. They can also have, uh, we talked about oxidative stress. That's always a factor, but that can even come from a low-grade bacterial infection in the gut, like something such as H. pylori, or um, it can be small bowel bacterial overgrowth. Uh, food intolerances can play a role because, of course, all of these are creating inflammation in the body. So when you look at things in a comprehensive way, and you don't just, you know, again, take a, a, a function, a system in the body and isolate it, but right. you look at it in a holistic fashion and connect everything else that's going on in the body and what a, a patient or a client would be saying to the doctor and telling the doctor you can get a much more complete picture as to why is it happening, and then you can go at it addressing those issues, which I think is really wor the important information for people to take away here. Um, that's what I'd like to, to have them take away. You, you mentioned testing. There absolutely is much better testing than people typically get. There is the lipid profile panel that people can do that will tell them the particle size if they mm -hmm. have the, the small more um, higher risk particles or if they have the, the, the larger, more buoyant, uh, lower risk particles. Um, there's also uh, another test called the carotenoid intima media test that's, um, that looks at the, the media in the arterial wall 
um, that can help us to predict um, plaque buildup in the arteries um, that can be done. You know, there's things like heavy metals that can contribute as well to people being toxic. Um, and, you know, heavy metals are, you know, in our water, they're, you know, in our food. Unfortunately, we're being exposed to, you know, a lot of those. Um, so there's a lot of things that can be looked at to help somebody clean up their body so that the inflammation goes down. And then obviously the diet is, is super key. We've already talked about some of the, some of the ways to, um, you know, that you can sabotage yourself with, with eating a lot of high carb high sugar, processed foods, wrong fats, which are, you know, the unhealthy fats that the body really can't use. Um, so you want to switch all that around and get on a, a whole foods diet. Um, if you can do these things, and again, it's, it's a multi-pronged approach that one needs to take, you can really reduce your risk tremendously. Yes. Yeah, so... Just to summarize, what we're suggesting here is for folks to just go beyond the LDL and HDL numbers that they're given. Um, there are more comprehensive profiles that can be done, particularly looking at the LDL-P number, the number of particles. And then also, if that number is high, delving into why it may be high, uh, not just leaving that as is and then Taking, trying to take care of that number with a statin medication, for example, but uh, taking a look at underlying conditions, uh, inflammation, like you mentioned, and also taking a hard look at things like diet and lifestyle and how those things could be contributing to all of the above. So uh, what we're suggesting here is a much more holistic approach uh, as opposed to just separating things out into numbers and then just medicating accordingly to those numbers. Um, you know, dig a little deeper, dig a little deeper with your knowledge about cholesterol and the information that you're getting from the testing that your doctor's doing. Right. So, you know, you, you want to, again, going back to the whole insulin thing, um, yeah. most of us do get the standard fasting, you know, 12 hour glucose test, but it's really, I think, much more useful to get the A1C, which gives us a picture of what's been going on over the course of the last few months. And, and some of this, you know, I think as, as patients of doctors, we have to start trying to, um, to ask for in a, in a, uh, in a very firm way, um, to get, to get some of these tests done that we think would be beneficial. You can also actually do micronutrient testing, which you can actually, um, tell a lot about what's going on in terms of your diet uh, by doing that. Yes. Very good comments. All right. Well, that brings us to the next commercial break. So we are talking about food and nutrition with certified nutritionist Ann Baker. This is Sandra Malhotra with Generation Regeneration, and we'll be back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. A new health and wellness community is coming in January 2015 called HoldTreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. 
As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. For 27 years, KidStar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now we have the opportunity to empower children around the world. KidStar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. KidStar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter, you pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Lindsay Marie from Bookworms. I want to thank you for being a backer of our Kickstarter. KidStar, we empower kids. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Melhothra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Melhothra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Melhothra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now, back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back to Generation Regeneration. I am your host, Sandra Melhotra. And today we have joining us Ann Baker, a certified nutritionist, and we have been talking about nutrition hypothemyths, particularly regarding fats and cholesterol. So we gave a lot of background as to where those hypothemyths originated from. Uh, and now we're going to start getting into some of the food horrors that have resulted from these hypothemyths. And the first one we're going to discuss is margarine. Now, margarine was recommended as a replacement for butter because of all of the saturated fat in the butter. But as we've discussed, saturated fat, especially from pasture-raised animals, is an important part of the diet in moderation. And so it's really a solution in, terms, in search of a problem. But here we go, we have it. Uh, and it's really, if you look into it, quite nasty stuff. Um, the manufacturing process for margarine is quite extensive. It may wind up looking fluffy and yellowy like butter, but it bears absolutely no resemblance to real food. Uh, it starts off with probably genetically, well, very likely genetically modified soybeans, corn, cottonseed, or rapeseeds. And then goes through a lot of processes in which the oils become rancid, stabilizers and other artificial things are added. Um, it's really nasty stuff. So on that introduction, I'll turn it over to you, Anne, because I know you have strong feelings about margarine as well. So take it away. Right. Well, it's, you know, all the hydrogenated oils that are used as well. 
you laid it out pretty well there, Sandra. Um, it's, it's not something uh, that our bodies really can use because the oils that they're utilizing to make these margarines, much like the oils, unfortunately, that are used as cooking oils in, you know, commercially, um, in commercial kitchens, when you go out to eat, even at a good restaurant, um, are not the right oils for the body because essential fatty acids are a lock and key analogy. We need the right key to fit the lock. And unless you are, you know, getting the healthier oils, your, your body isn't able to use them. So then that means you actually have an essential fatty acid deficiency. Your body knows what to do with a saturated fat. It's a natural oil. Your body knows what to do with an olive oil. Your body knows what to do with, um, you know, macadamia nut or avocado. Uh, it knows what to do with butter. It doesn't know what to do with uh, canola oil or corn oil and soybean oil. And as a matter of fact, again, these, these are all genetically modified. And soybean oil is really not even fit for human consumption. And it is used in so many products. That's right. A lot of, and, a lot of processed foods. Yeah. It's just... That it's cheap. That's why they why they use it. It disrupts the endocrine system, and it's particularly damaging to the thyroid as well. Um, so, margarine, you're much better off to use the butter, um, get pasture raised organic butter, uh, and use that. You can use coconut oil as well uh, as a spread. There's co actually coconut spreads; those are fine. Mm -hmm. uh, those aren't processed. Uh, you can get those at health food stores. If you're, you know, restricting dairy, if you're dairy sensitive, you can use those as well. Yes. Yeah. And really good butter. It is more expensive. That's a fact. Uh, but the point that I would like to make is for a lot of folks, it could come down to a question of priorities. Uh, because one large pack of high quality organic pasture raised butter is probably about as much as that latte that you're getting at Starbucks. And that latte will last you for an hour uh, <laughs> at best and isn't the greatest for you anyway. Uh, and that large package of butter uh, should last your family for a week. And it's really good stuff. Okay, let's move on to another food abomination. Diet sodas. Uh. <laughs> uh. Uh, where do we start? Where uh, do we start? Oh, my there, gosh. Yeah, there are many issues with diet sodas, and it breaks my heart when I actually see people, whether they be friends or just people on the street, drinking diet sodas because I know that they have the intention of trying to do something healthy for themselves. But unfortunately, they just don't understand uh, how, how awful these diet sodas really are. So we'd like to provide some education on that. Uh, much better choices, water, herbal teas, um, some, you know, a little bit of fruit juice. Uh, those things are much, much better for your body. Sodas, artificial colors are added. Um, many of which, uh, some of which could be considered carcinogenic even. Uh, you also have the artificial sweeteners aspartame, which is very, very damaging and scary yeah, it's stuff. It's a neurotoxin. It's a neurotoxin. It it's a actually neurotoxin. Will kill, it will kill brain cells. And, you know, the artificial sweeteners, 
people may think that they're saving calories, but just the fact that you're tasting those sweet, uh, super sweet artificial sweeteners actually makes you want more sweet foods and crave more sugary things. So yes. it really backfires. There's actually been studies done on it. And uh, aside from the fact that they're, you know, neurotoxins, they make you eat more sugar and really sabotage weight loss. That's right. Yeah. And, the, you know, the carbonated beverages, the sodas also will pull out all the minerals from your body. They deplete minerals from your body. So if you're concerned about osteoporosis, stay away from sodas. Yeah, because they're very acidic. Or, yes, they're, they're so. very, very acidic. They're very bad for pH. Yes, yes, yeah. that's right. So uh, go for pasture-raised butter or coconut oil if you want to spread. Um, you know, don't let margarine anywhere near your refrigerator. Same thing with diet sodas. Uh, there are much better options out there for hydration. Uh, let's talk also about quickly, uh, we only have a couple of minutes left here, low-fat milk, because we talked before about how a lot of low-fat and no-fat products are backfilled with a lot of carbs and sugar. That may not be obvious that that's the case with low-fat milk, but it really is. So, and if you'd like to elaborate on that for a moment. Yeah, my personal feeling on, on cow's milk is it's for baby cows to start yeah. off with. Yes. I really don't think it's something that humans should be consuming. Um, it's for baby cows. And again, if you, if you think about the fact that how do they get the milk from the cow? The cow has to think it's pregnant, right? Yeah. So yeah. what does that mean happening? That means that the cow is being stimulated hormonally to produce the milk. So I think it's just a hypothesis on my part, and I have absolutely no studies that I can point you to, but there's probably some out there. I think that some of the reasons we're seeing a lot of development in um, young adolescents so soon has to do with a lot of the hormones that are in things like milk when they're yes. high consumers of um, commercial milk. Now, again, too, this is uh, a pasteurized product, so any yes. of the nutritional natural enzymes that would be in in fresh milk that's not pasteurized have been taken out. I know yes. there's people that are you know big proponents of raw milk. Uh, I don't happen to be one of them, but um, if you're going to do milk, you know raw milk at least nutritionally has some. I can see some benefits to it there. When they take the the fats at, down, they uh, increase the sugars. And again, pick up a, a jug of full fat and pick up a jug of low fat or non fat, right. and you can just see the comparison there. That's right. Yeah, excellent point. Okay, well, we hope some of the information and advice that we provided today was very helpful. That's all the time that we have. Thank you very much for appearing again, Anne. We really appreciate your wisdom and insights on food and nutrition, and particularly regarding saturated fat and cholesterol. My I'd also like <laughs> thank you. I'd also like to thank all the listeners for tuning in to Generation Regeneration and being part of the Gen R movement to regenerate our bodies, minds, and spirits. Join us again next week when our guest will be Doctor of Naturopathy, Dr. Jason Barker. You'll learn why naturopaths seriously rock. So be sure to tune in. Until then, let's move the party on over to Twitter at Sandra G Malhotra, hashtag we are Gen R. Namaste. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. 
Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.